Welcome to the Wednesday night edition of Trice Talk. I'm Donald Wayne, and Dennis Lee is still out tonight, but hopefully he'll be back uh, possibly by Sunday night show. I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, we'll kind of hold on to that hope. Anyway, uh, since he is not here tonight, it's not going to be a uh, wacky Wednesday, obviously, because uh, it'd be kind of hard for me to be wacky all by myself, although I have been accused of that from time to time, not being serious at all. I know that's hard for you to believe if you've listened to Trice Talk for any length of time, since I tend to seem like the serious one. But um, anyway, I hope... Um, I hope Dennis Lee is able to join us again on Sunday and kind of get back to some kind of normalcy, although it is summer and what is normal in the summertime, right? Um, I've got a couple of things that I'm going to talk about tonight. And uh, as with last night's show, I'm going to do a cross between... Uh, one of the mini pods that I do three nights a week normally, and then just a regular non-live trice talk session. In other words, this show will be longer than a mini pod, but shorter than a trice talk live episode, which is could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on <laughs> your opinion of the show. But um, like I said, even though it is Wednesday, I'm not going to be doing, I'm not even going to try to do a, 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 a wacky Wednesday type show. Although I did have a couple of things that I, I thought at first I would do that were kind of funny, odd, off the wall. But um, I may save those for tomorrow night. Uh, maybe that, maybe I'll try to do something a little bit Less serious. Anyway, um, so like I said, I'm going to do a couple of different subjects tonight, and and yeah, both of them are kind of on topic of some things that uh, we continue to talk about here on Trice Talk. But like I said, I think last night in regarding that subject, it's 
in the news every day. Some new aspect of racism or critical race theory or white supremacy. I mean, it's almost like racism is the catchword of two, uh, of 2020 and 2021. So um, as long as they keep throwing out new angles and new subjects regarding those uh, two topics, I will probably continue to address them in some fashion. Um, the first article I wanted to talk about that I saw, and it's probably the shorter of the two things that I'm going to be talking about tonight, is um, racism in training for the armed forces. Now, I think we've talked about this before, the new Secretary of Defense has been uh, kind of blamed for this new philosophy in the military in this country about having critical race theory or some elements of critical race theory woven into the basic training of recruits and people going to military schools, you know, officer candidate schools, if you wish, whatever. And they're, they're, they're weaving that in there as part of that training because just about everybody that we've seen in the Biden administration seems to at least publicly believe that they have a job to do. They have a job of de-radicalizing uh, the military in this country. For some reason, they seem to think that uh, the military was overtly racist and that that was, that was to the detriment of the country. I'm not quite sure where they got that. Um, uh, my youngest son was in the military, was in the Marines for several years and uh, never got the impression when he would talk about basic training or any of his time beyond that, that that was ever a problem in the people he encountered in the Marines. So I don't know. I mean, obviously that's, not me seeing or experiencing everything that goes on in the military, but I find it hard to believe. Now, is that to say that there's not some people in the military with racist ideas? That's the same way as it is with society in general in this country. You know, we can't honestly say that there's not going to be people living in this country that have racist views or that do not like uh, people of other races or other colors. But that doesn't mean just white people, right? We have to understand that. When that gets said, when you talk about racism, or, or it's talked about in the news, primarily you get the impression that they're talking about racism as far as white people are concerned. But if you've known a lot of people in your life, if you've been around a lot of people in your life, you've probably been around someone of a different color, different race that is racist towards some other group of people, color or race, whatever. It's never going to be eliminated completely from the psyche of the people on, on this earth. And it's not a problem that's unique to the United States, but obviously, you know, we, we care mostly about that because that's what affects us directly. And sometimes I think when I hear them talk, that it 
they have the mindset that they can forcibly make everybody in this country accept whatever they want them to accept, that they can forcibly remove every ounce, every bit of racism in this country. And I'd hate to disappoint them, but you're not going to do that because there are people, there are ignorant people in the world. There are people of such strong opinions that they're not going to change unless experiences in life change, help them change that. So anyway, this thing about the military making critical race theory part of the training seems absurd to most of us, most logical people. But of course, you're not going to hear any argument against it from the liberal news media or anybody on the Democrat side in government. So this first article comes from, um, it's written by Hank Berrien. I never can get an article with somebody named Jones or Smith, but it's Hank Berrien, I believe, of the dailywire.com, and it was written on July the 7th. And let me pull that up. And the title of the article is Racism Was Ingrained in the System from the Beginning. U.S. Air Force professor who teaches critical race theory says of the military. A U.S. Air Force Academy professor who teaches critical race theory to cadets preached in the Washington Post that George Washington was a racist. The United States was founded partly on inequality, uh, any inegalitarianism, I believe. (laughs) I've run into that word before. I'll have to check up on how to pronounce that exactly. And second-class citizenship and racism was ingrained in the system from the beginning, and the military still struggles with these issues today. Okay. Lynn Chandler Garcia, an associate professor of political science at the U.S. Air Force Academy, began by referring to the recent appearance of by Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Miley before Congress in which he defended teaching CRT in the military. Garcia argued that his testimony shows that it is not unpatriotic to understand a fuller version of American history, nor does it promote division among our military members. Testifying before the House Armed Services Committee, Miley snapped, I've read Mao Zedong. I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. When Miley was given a chance to answer the question of CRT being taught in the military, he started by saying that it was important to delve into CRT to get much smarter about it. First of all, on the issue of critical race theory, etc., a lot of us have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. That kind of sounds like uh, we need to vote for this bill so we can understand what's in it. Remember that phrase from several years ago? 
Regarding white rage, Miley said, but I do think it's important actually for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university and it is important that we train and we understand. And I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. Uh, yes, indeed, he is white. And that, I think that surprised a lot of people when he took that position before Congress that day. Miley then got defensive about charges that the military has gone woke. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commission, non-commissioned officers of being woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That's a key phrase there. Keep that in mind, out there. Now, there is a clip uh, included in this article, but I'm going to post this article on Facebook like we typically do. And if uh, you want to click on that, you can hear some of the testimony. I'm not quite sure how long that, uh, it's only about, a, well, no, it doesn't say how long it is, but it goes into some of his testimony, which he basically says the things that I just shared with you. Garcia, this professor at the Air Force Academy, continued by referencing the Constitution. She says, in my classes, cadets learn about the ideals embedded in this founding document. We explore the liberalist, liberalist theories that promoted these ideals, and we embrace our democrat system of government. But we also acknowledge that the United States was founded on a duality, liberalism, and equal rights. On one hand, inequality, inequality uh, there's that word again, inegalitarianism, <laughs> and second-class citizenship on the other. Critical race theory provides an academic framework to understand these nuances and contradictions. It helps students identify the structural racism and inequality that has been endemic in American society, and it provides methods for deconstructing oppressive beliefs, policies, and practices to find solutions that will lead to justice. Garcia stated that the Constitution has been used to perpetuate legal discrimination. Claimed George Washington is said to have initially opposed the recruitment of black soldiers and then pontificated. In other words, racism was ingrained in the system from the beginning and the military still struggles with these issues. Garcia concluded by sermonizing, I don't coddle my cadets out of fear that exposure to certain literatures might make them uncomfortable or test their existing beliefs. Cadets must learn to be brave on the literal battlefield, yes, but they must also be equipped to participate bravely on the battlefield of ideas. Okay, that's pretty much all of that article. You know, it's amazing how people, especially liberals, want to 
inject their own opinions, their own interpretations of history into reasoning about racism and white supremacy or whatever they want to call it in our society today. They never seem to have any, although there, you know, there are liberal studies. I mean, look at the 1619 project, look at, um, you know, basically, uh, writings of black lives matters. There are things out there written by people that these liberals draw on to use as ammunition to teach these theories that they have. Now, my understanding is education is supposed to not really be theories unless you're dealing with something like there are certain things in science that are basically theories and uh, maybe not always proven like theories of space. But history is something that there should be enough evidence, written evidence about many issues throughout history that people could draw on to, um, to use in their teachings. And, you know, of course, I was in school so long ago, I honestly don't remember in depth about a lot of things in world history. I remember having to memorize <laughs> people's names and revolutions and things that really at that time didn't matter to me, quite honestly. I'm, I'm like in my head, why would this ever matter to me the rest of my life at that age? I could not understand. But looking back now, looking back at our society the way we are now, I think I, I wish that I had paid a little bit more attention that I could draw on some of those things now, because I think like uh, people like Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, who is a historian in his own right and has written uh, a number of historical based uh, books. Historians will tell you that the importance of history, the importance of getting your facts straight about things that occurred in history are important because it's those things that help us. If we pay attention, they help us from repeating mistakes of the past. But if you get the facts wrong, or if you skew the facts wrong, or you skew it, uh, this is not say basically wrong, but you skew it to whatever direction you want to bend it into then how can you draw a conclusion that is factual? How can you draw a conclusion that people can trust if you're bending your facts or if you're changing the stories, the narrative, just to suit your argument? And I understand. History was written by men. So there's a good chance that a lot of things that have been passed on through time certainly were written in the eyes of the people that either witnessed it or they did research and talked to people and came up with their own conclusions. So you could make an argument that maybe there's a lot of things in history that maybe aren't a hundred percent true, or maybe they are a majority of percent opinion of the people that experienced those things or witnessed those things throughout history. But that's still better than trying to, for somebody living today to go back and just 
maybe with a little research or maybe no research at all. And they're, they're skewing everything, steering it in the direction they want it to go to justify what they are trying to do. But I would, again, challenge uh, Ms. Garcia's statement that the uh, military is dealing with racism issues today. Does that mean there are not people in the uh, military that may not like another race or uh, another color of person or another religion? No, there probably is. People are people. There are people that will never be changed. There are people that participate in lives uh, and society every day that uh, may have different beliefs than the majority of the people around them, but that doesn't always mean that they're a problem. People have, we, we talk about freedom in this country, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Yet we seem determined or liberals seem determined that they, everybody has to think the same way and they have to think the way the liberals tell you to think or you can't participate in society or you're a danger to society. Not everybody that disagrees with the majority is a danger to society. And do you really have freedom if you don't allow those people to believe what they believe? So that's, that, that's going to be an issue. And of course, the uh, Republicans, conservatives are pushing back against that just as they are pushing back against uh, critical race theory in the school systems and universities in this country. And I think it's a growing movement. And as I will talk about in this next article here in a minute, people who want to push back against us, us, the conservatives pushing back against critical race theory are saying we're doing it because we don't want people to know the truth about history. We want to hide those facts that may look, make us look bad, white people in, 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 in the light. So we don't want, we want to whitewash it. We want to cover it up. We don't want to expose any more than it's already been exposed. That's, that's their, that's their pushback. But I would argue that the military, you know, the military, they have one purpose in this country and that's to protect us, to protect our way of life, to protect this country. And then when we call upon them to do that, and send them to other places around the world to help those people, then they need the ability to do that as well. That's all. They, they need to learn the skills to survive, to do the best job they can so they can go do their job and come home as safe as possible. Come home whole. Come home to their families and regain their lives. 
That's what we need to be teaching them. We we seem to liberals seem to be cons- consumed with adding these other elements to people's quote education that it will have nothing to do with the performance of the job that they're expected to do. We're talking about working on people's attitudes and people's belief systems. And you know what's the best way to change people's belief systems or influence them is for them to be out there neck to neck or hand to hand, side by side with people of other colors, people of other races, people of other religions. I watched a movie, um, I guess, I think it was about a week ago. It was about the uh, the corpsman. It was a guy that was, um, he was drafted during World War II. And, uh, well, actually, I, I believe he, I believe he joined. I believe he joined the. I believe he joined anyway. Um, but he did not want to fight. He did not want to use a rifle. He refused to take arms. He refused to go into battle to shoot another human being because of his beliefs, basically what we call the conscientious objector. But even though he objected to the killing of another human being, regardless of the situation, he wanted to serve his country. And I'm sorry, but I can't remember the name of the movie right now. But uh, they dogged him. They did everything they could in boot camp to get him to quit because he would not go to the rifle range. He would not pick up a rifle. And... Um, was almost booted out of the military, but they finally allowed him to remain and they put him in the uh, medical corps, let him become a corpsman, even though corpsmen carry uh, sidearms as well in the battle, he did not do that. And then he ended up being one of the ones that saved all of those men uh Oh gosh, Hamburger Hill. I think it was the, maybe that was the name of the movie, Hamburger Hill. Uh, forgive me if I'm incorrect on that, but uh, he ended up saving countless lives that day after everybody else left, and there was a lot of wounded left on the battlefield, and the germ uh, uh, was the German. The Jap- I guess it was the Japanese. I believe. Yeah, I guess it was the Japanese. Uh, they continued going out there shooting and killing uh, any survivors that were left on the battlefield. Um, I forgot how many days he did this. But my point here is everybody hated him. Everybody had flagged him as uh, a traitor, um, not worthy to serve, as a coward, and nobody really wanted to have anything to do with him, but they tolerated him uh, as a corpsman because um, I think there was a general involved that that made it so. So 
anyway, after all these men were uh, shot and many of them killed at Hamburger Hill, uh, he went in after everybody else went back down. Uh, they had to climb a cliff to get up to it, to the battlefield. They went down. He stayed and he continued carrying people to the net um, and, and hoisting them down with a rope to the beach below. Uh, I think it was at least a couple of days or, or so many hours. It was a long time. And uh, several times he was almost discovered by the Japanese and killed himself. But he continued to stay until he got every last uh, person he could get off of that uh, Hamburger Hill and get him to safety. Saved many lives that day. And, of course, then they had a different feeling about him. And the people who hated him for the longest time and, and resented him because of his a desire not to carry a weapon, not to go out there and kill the enemy. They changed their mind and their heart because they realized what kind of person he was. He still was a person of value, even though he didn't share the same feelings they did. So it's our experiences with people in life, different people in life that allow us to help us to gain an understanding of each other and gain some respect for people that we may not have respected otherwise until we have life experiences with each other. Not sitting in a damn classroom where some, some liberal person is trying to tell you that you're a racist in your mind because you're white and you have to change your feelings. You have to change the way you think so you can get along with people. So you'll treat everybody the same. There's always going to be a lot of resistance to that. But again, I would argue, and I have no basis for it, but I would argue that the problem in the military today, although historically there were times that that was an issue, but I would argue today that cannot be as much of a problem to warrant what they're trying to do in teaching critical race theory in, in the military. And I'm not going to go into the thing about George Washington and, and this whole racist thing. I'm going to do a, a, a series on that soon because I'm doing some research along with uh, the words to the uh, national anthem. I think I talked about that a little bit last night and, and try to clarify and try to get to the truth as best I can on some of these things that liberals lie about day after day. Every time they open their mouth and they mention something like the national anthem or the American flag and all of these things that are racist symbols in their mind. And, and what you have to remember, in my opinion, now, uh, this show is my opinion. I mean, I look at facts. I look at articles. I look at things that I can read. But from that, that I can see, I still draw a conclusion. It's my conclusion. And it's my opinion. But in my opinion, the only reason for doing what they're doing, these people that do these things with critical race theory and uh, get rid of the American flag, get rid of the national anthem. Oh, well, let's have a black anthem. So we have two 
anthems, even though we don't have two nations here yet, is to destroy America so they can rebuild it, so they can remake it in a, in a fashion that suits what they think the world is supposed to be. The problem with that is if they're ever successful, look at your history, people. Look at the history that they keep telling you that, 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 that they pay attention to. And you see how the nations that have tried to do socialist ideals, how badly they failed. And if we ever get to the point that that's what people fall for and that's what people try to do in this country, it would be a long, hard, difficult road back to any sense of normalcy if it were ever possible at all. All right. So I'm going on to the next thing, and I'll probably be just as uh, passionate about this as I am about this idiocy in the military. But it's um, I heard it, heard this on the news today, and I think I've actually heard this name mentioned several times. Uh, let me get over here. And it's about the teachers union. Um, the president of the teachers union, the uh, American Federations of Teachers, or the AFT as it's usually called in the news, Randy Weingarten. So, the article, this is in, uh, this is from foxnews.com. It's by Michael Ruiz. And it says the largest teachers unions say critical race theory is reasonable and appropriate for kids. So, uh, I would imagine that many of you have seen the video footage of, of this teacher. Uh, I mean, this teacher this American Federation of Teachers president, uh, Randy Weingarten, because uh, I think they ran one today several times of her talking about uh, she's going to defend, you know, they have plenty of money and they'll be defending any teacher that gets uh, attacked, not literally, but attacked because they, try to teach critical race theory in their schools. But anyway, she has vowed to assist any of their teachers that are attacked because of their teaching a critical race theory in classrooms. So let me uh, do this article first, and then I have, as you would guess, some comments about it. Uh, back over here. All right, the country's largest teachers union has moved to undermine the left-wing talking point that critical race theory is not taught to children by voting, promote, by voting, promote it, and arguing it is reasonable and appropriate to use CRT in social studies classes. Okay, so for a while, 
uh, these officials and, and the teachers unions have been saying, uh, we're not teaching critical race theory in school. Uh, I've even heard some of the pundits on our wonderful liberal news stations, CNN, MSNBC, uh, say the same thing, you know, that, well, conservatives are accusing us of teaching critical race theory in, in schools, and that's not happening. That's, that's a lie. The National Education Association has approved a plan to publicize critical race theory and dedicate a team of staffers to assist union members looking to fight back against anti-CRT rhetoric. <laughs> All right. New business item number 39 also declares that the union opposes bans on critical race theory and the New York Times controversial 1619 project, which roughly half of the U.S. states have already implemented. So, they're opposed to what the states, the Republican-controlled states are doing. In other words, you know, it's amazing that we talk about freedom of opinion and choice in this country, yet the liberals fight everything. Every time that conservatives do not agree with the liberals, it becomes an issue. It always becomes a racial issue. Somebody said to me the other day, I can't imagine they haven't complained about the White House being called the White House. Well, they just, you know, give them time. They'll get around to that. They'll probably have to paint it rainbow colors or something. Who knows? Uh, just, just to appease elements in this country. But they're pushing back against the states that have passed laws and policies to limit or eliminate CRT, the possibility of CRT being taught in schools in those states. Uh, Florida is one, for example. And, of course, uh, I'd, a lot of people push back against the 1619 Project as well. Additionally, the resolution calls for the union to join with Black Lives Matters at school and the Zen Education Project to call for a rally this year on October the 14th, George Floyd's birthday, as a national day of action to teach lessons about structural racism and oppression. The third paragraph pledges to accomplish the following publicly through existing media, well, they won't have a problem there, convey its support for the accurate and honest teaching of social studies topics, including truthful and age-appropriate accountings of unpleasant aspects of American history, such as slavery and the oppression and discrimination of indigenous, black, brown, and other peoples of color, as well as the continued impact this history has on our current society. The association will further convey that in teaching these topics, it is reasonable and appropriate for curriculum to be informed by academic frameworks for understanding and interpreting the impact of the past on current society, including critical race theory. 
However, despite the approval, a note on the union's website reads, this item cannot be accomplished with current staff and resources under the proposed modified uh, 2021 and 2022 strategic plan and budget. It would cost an an additional $127,600. Actually, it doesn't seem like a lot of money compared to everything else that's being spent today. The move comes as districts around the country and liberal pundits have attempted to fend off anti-CRT parents by telling them the curriculum is too complex for K-12 through students and is only taught to students' graduate-level courses. That claim is made despite evidence that critical race theory seminars are being offered to teachers and administrators and examples of CRT-themed topics are being introduced in some classrooms. Conservative lawmakers have already secured bans on CRT in roughly two dozen states, with Iowa going as far as to declare it discriminatory indoctrination. And the topic on its own has prompted impassioned public comments at school board meetings around the country. Critics say it is a racist philosophy in and of itself that encourages stereotyping and labeling while highlighting divisiveness and anti-American rhetoric rather than unity and the virtues of the founding documents. The NEA represents more than 2 million members, well over half of the 3.2 million public school teachers in the U.S. Department of Education estimated were working in the country last year. Well, there's a question in itself. 3.2 million public school teachers were working last year? The union did not immediately respond to a Fox News for comment. So, some people on the left are saying, oh, no, we're not teaching critical race theory in, in uh, the lower levels of education in the schools. And then others are saying, well, yes, we are, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is what we're doing. So, there's a little bit of difference of opinion on the left about what is actually being done. All right, as you would expect, I have some side li- uh, side side lights, sidebars, sidebars to that. I guess it'd be sidebars. Um, I wanted to know a little bit more about this Randy Weingarten, just to get an idea who she was. You hear these people's names all the time. And, of course, anybody that's head of a union, uh, you expect them probably to do fairly well in the salary category. And that is no exception for Randy Weingarten. But here's a little information about her that I picked up uh, on a couple of different sites online. And these were sites that I think that were uh, sympathetic towards her. I wanted to know um, how much she made. So prior, well, here's her job resume, more or less, or at least a, a, a brief description of her job resume. Prior to her election as uh, AFT president in 2008, which means, uh, let's see, so she's been the president of that union for 13 years, 
roughly. Weingarten served for 12 years as president of the United Federation of Teachers, AFT Local 2, representing approximately 200,000 educators in the New York City public school system, as well as home child care providers and other workers in health, law, and education. Okay, Weingarten earns an annual salary and expenses of roughly $500,000 from teachers union dues and mandatory agency fees while overseeing a union budget that spends over $1.6 million on luxury hotels, travel, and cars for union executives. So, over $500,000 a year. I think I saw one figure at 514. I saw another one at $540,000 a year. I mean, this, this, uh, person makes more than the president of the United States. Just to put it in perspective, of course, so does Dr. Fauci. <laughs> she makes about as much money as Dr. Fauci. Okay. As if that's not enough, the secretary treasurer of the AFT, Loretta Johnson, earns approximately $324,363 per year total compensation. That's the secretary treasurer of this union, $324,363 per year. It's not bad. As Senior Director of Organization and Field Services, Darren L. Nedro earns approximately $286,201 per year in total compensation. As Assistant to the President, Ms. Weingarten, Philip Kugler, earns approximately $260,895 per year in total compensation. So these four compensations, these four positions alone add up to about $1,323,432 per year just for those four people. And I'm sure that's not all of the staffing of this union. And then on top of that, that 1,300,000 and something thousand, you add in, um, the, uh, what did I say up here? 1.6 million on luxury hotels, travel and, and, uh, cars for union executives. And all of that is being paid for by teachers, teachers who on the average in this country or the teachers that are part of the union earn average about $44,000 per year. Now my question to you, who's the most important person in this organization? The teachers who are paying the dues. So these other individuals can live in the lap of luxury 
and get all the perks and all the attention and all, all of the, um, you know, they, they, they basically control everything that's done in the union. $44,000 a year. Maybe if they weren't paying these other individuals so much money, some of that would trickle down to these teachers. Or they could keep those union dues for themselves and bring home more money. I think it's amazing that people are willing to pay in so that people like Ms. Weingarten can make that kind of money. And I'd, I'd have to say, what is what does she do for that? And I don't know, because I obviously don't know her, and I have not done any research on her. But how can that position warrant that kind of money? And it's amazing to me that liberals who constantly say that the wealthy in this country either don't deserve to be or they are self-serving and don't pay their fair share. Many of them, like Miss Weingarten, make more than the average American worker in this country. But when liberals criticize wealthy people or the rich, as they like to say, they're always looking on the right side of the aisle. They're always looking at conservatives, Republicans. Oh, that doesn't really mean you because you've been kicking in a lot of money to our organization. You've been kicking in a lot of money for our causes. I'm talking about these people over here. And it's interesting that so many people who lead organizations that want to tell us how to live our lives are making a living at a level far above the rest of us and couldn't have the slightest idea of what the average person has to go through to survive from one year to the next or what the, 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 the people living below them have to do to accomplish the dreams in their lives. Why do people fall for these elite groups of people who live off the sweat and toil of others while those that support them have to struggle? Why do people fall for that? Why don't they, why don't they have a problem with that? Do they honestly think that these people add so much to the quality of their lives that they do so much for them that it's okay that they live in the lap of luxury while you know, you may or may not afford a, a vacation in your off time during the year, or you may or may not be able to afford that new car that you need desperately because the one you have is 15, 16 years old and, and duct taped together while this union is supplying cars for, for the upper elite in the union. Uh, the union is not supplying the cars. These people who are paying the union dues are supplying the cars. And if that's not bad enough, Weingarten wants to threaten anyone who dares to stand up against what they want to do in the schools. 
In other words, shut up and do what we tell you or we'll make you regret it. When she says, we have the reason, when Weingarten says, we have the resources to fight back against you who don't want critical race theory in the schools. You parents who don't believe in it and who think you don't want it in the schools, we can fight you on this because we have plenty of money. We're sucking our, uh, our, the people in the union dry. She also accuses Weingarten again, conservatives, Republicans of being afraid of the truth that they want to teach in the schools. All we want to do is teach the truth. All we want to do is make sure that children or students are taught everything that's true about history in this country. We want to make sure they understand how racist we were from the very beginning. and how the entire government was thought up, set up with racist ideals. Well, who says that you're going to be the purveyor of truth in our schools? Who is to say that what you want to teach them is the truth, that you're going to do everything based on facts? How do we know some of that's not going to be on opinion or your, uh, you know, your idea of how it was? What reference material are you going to use? You're going to use the same crap that they used in the 1619 project? Are you going to have conservatives involved in the, in the material that's going to be used to teach this stuff in schools, or is it all going to be a liberal mindset? I would argue that it's not their job, Ms. Weingarten's job, or even the teacher's job. or anybody that agrees with CRT to teach our children anything that is not beneficial in the education of the student to pursue a particular job path in the real world. That's really what they go to school for. That's, that was the purpose of education in the beginning, not to teach them uh, a particular political mindset, not to teach them uh, critical race theory, which is your version of history. Now, is that to say that the history books maybe could have been more factual or maybe they could have been uh, expanded a little bit to give, give students uh, a, a true picture of what history was like in the United States? I don't know, because I, I can't remember enough about, I, you know, of course, back when I was in school, we actually, you know, I got out of school before a lot of this stuff ever became an issue. I was out of school before Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. I was out of school before Bobby, uh, I mean, before Martin Luther King was assassinated. So I don't know what was in the history books beyond that point. But I do know that you can't have 
one side deciding one one political side in this country deciding everything that's what their view of history is and that's the way that it's going to be it's got to be a group of people uh, it should be first of all based on all the facts that are available but then it should be the consensus of a group of people with varying uh political opinions which really shouldn't be included and whatever the curriculum is, but uh, it's hard to say that it wouldn't be. But certainly not Miss Weingarten's job to teach our students. We don't send our children to school so they can tell them how bad the white race has been since the beginning of the country. We don't send our kids to school so they can say, in their opinion, George Washington was a racist, that the Declaration of Independence was based on racist ideas. That's an opinion. That's not proof. Maybe teachers should continue to focus on math and science, English. Of course, we don't even teach students how to write anymore. It's not important to teach them how to write anymore. Oh, we don't need, they don't need to do that. They got computers that do everything on computers now. But you hear story after story that we're behind the rest of the world in math and science. And so we're, we're lagging behind in those subjects and countries like China and Japan are far ahead of us, are far exceeding us. I'm not even sure, but I think India may be in that group as well, as far as in the education system is concerned. But instead of focusing on things that are going to make us more competitive, in the world market, our people in the know, in the power, want to focus on racial issues. Our people in power want to focus on rearranging our whole ideal system in this country, destroying everything from the very beginning and starting over. They want to destroy the flag. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't, you know, they, they're not proposing to change the name of the country. That's what they're focusing on. Instead of teaching our children the things that they need in order to get ahead in this world and actually have a chance at a job, a good paying job or a career in the world and how to function. I would argue that it's not your job or those that agree with you to teach our, any, our children anything else but the basics. Now, I'm not opposed to, um, you know, updating history books and so forth and and things like that. And I'm not opposed to offering uh, elective classes for certain things. If you want to have these things taught in school, children ought to have the right to 
choose that as an elective, maybe like in high school, as long as their parents sign off on that as well. And many times they're trying to take the parents out of the equation because they know basically where a lot of the parents stand. Civics should be about the basic rights and obligations of citizens in our society. How hard would that be? I don't have a problem with teaching what problems we have faced throughout our history. I don't have a problem teaching about where the government has failed citizens in this country. And Lord knows they have failed us many times. But even with those failures, we're still the most free and the best country in the world. But I do have a problem teaching that all of the problems with our society are due to racism and white people in this country. Racism is too complicated a subject to try and cram in with other subjects. If you really want to teach racism, you, you've got to go back to its roots and not just in this country. History of mankind is an important reference. I don't have a problem with teaching more in-depth issues about slavery and racism in this country in a historical context. But to simplify racism and say that America has been racist from the very beginning is too simplistic. If you're going to teach racism to properly understand it, you need to go back further than just the beginnings of it in America. Americans did not create racism or slavery, if you will. If you're hell-bent on teaching it, do it like world history. Go back to the beginnings of slavery and talk about how it was a problem in many parts, countries of the world. If you're determined to teach racism, the same criteria apply. Go back to the beginning and address it as it existed and still exists today among many cultures around the world that nobody ever talks about. That's not an excuse for it to be any, any appearance here in this country, but it needs to be in context But this half-ass skewed to one point of view, liberal at that, is not the right way to teach anything. You don't have to gloss over it. But then it also needs to be based on facts and not just the opinions of people who fundamentally want to transform a free country into a socialist hellhole. And oh, one more thing, Miss Weingarten. Parents have the final say in what their young children are exposed to in our schools. You did not bear them. You did not clothe them. You did not feed them and house them up to that point in their life. You do not have the right to take them and mold them in the direction you want them to go and, and believing the things that you want them to believe just because you say so. You didn't take care of them when they were sick or scared. You just don't get to, take, to teach them any damn thing that you want to. 
not as long as there are parents that care about what their children are exposed to in this country. Parents have the right to have the final say in what their kids do in school. You don't have a right to tell a nine-year-old in school that they have a right to change their sex if they want to. That is not your job. That is not what you get a freaking paycheck for. You don't get to teach our kids what religion to believe in, and you don't get to teach them what is right and wrong, true or false. You can present facts to them, but if you're not presenting facts, then don't, don't say that they're facts. Make the statement that in your opinion, but your teaching is not supposed to be your opinion. Your opinion, your, your, your teaching is supposed to be based on the textbooks that you're given to teach those classes with. And then of course that puts it, the, the, the responsibility on the parents to know what's in those damn textbooks, to know what the school system that they belong to, what they are teaching to their children. And I think for too long, and I was in that same class, I have no idea other than uh, when my youngest son would come home with homework and, and up to what point I could actually help them help him with it. But then there became a point that, uh, you know, that I, I was no longer required to do that. So I, I really had no idea what he was learning in school. I went on faith. I went on my experience in school and thought it was pretty much, you know, an education thing. I thought it was all about education uh, of the things that I thought were being taught. So I know how easy it is for parents just to go blindly through life and, and think we, we want to think that the school systems are teaching our kids the things that are necessary to be able to secure a good job when they get out of school or if they go on to college, you know, prepare them to get into college so they can finish learning the things they need to learn to make a good living in this country or to fulfill their own dreams. But, but here in the last few years, it seems like liberals think it's their job to mold these kids into something that they think they should be. And they even go so far as demonizing the parents and telling these children, influencing these children, that they don't have to listen to their parents, that their parents are wrong. And this is what they should be doing. This is what they should be allowed to be doing. What kind of teacher is that? What kind of system do we have that the government and, and teachers in general are trying to minimalize parents in their life. And yes, there's a lot of sorry ass parents in this country uh, that did not play a very good part or a big part in their children's lives, especially with education. And some of it's, some of it can be understood and some of it can't. I came from a home where my parents had nothing to do with my education growing up. No help at all. 
all the way through high school from either one of my parents. I survived it and I got through it. But I didn't have anybody in school trying to tell me that my parents were evil or that my parents uh, were wrong about anything and that I should be listening to the teacher and this is what I should be doing. This is what I should believe in. And it shouldn't be happening today. So until we get so complacent that we don't care what you do anymore, teachers, Miss Weingarten, you can keep your opinions to yourself. Or maybe you should just concentrate on people that are just too stupid to disagree with you, too stupid to think about what you're telling them and realize that you're not looking out for the best interest of your child and their education and the welfare of the family. They're in it for another thing. Not all teachers. Let me say that. I'm not talking about all teachers because I've, I've had uh, a number of friends that are teachers. I, I've, I know a lot of teachers, very good people. And almost all of them are conservative. I have known a couple of liberal teachers and one is actually a relative of mine. We agree on nothing, but they are not far left and they would never support this critical race theory crap that schools are trying to push on our students today. Okay. So that is all I'm going to say about that. Aren't you happy? Uh, I'll be posting these two articles on Facebook tonight. So you can kind of look at it. Of course I've expanded on this last one, this wine garden, uh, as far as our salary and stuff, you'll just have to go look that up separately. But, uh, yeah, these people are making a lot of money, uh, and a job where they're, they're just basically trying to mold children into, uh, children into a, a, a mindset where they will be more supportive of their ideals to change this country. And I think it'd be not only will Americans be, um, be to the detriment, detriment of Americans in this country. If, if they're successful, if liberals are successful, but I, I dare say that the rest of the world, if, if, America becomes fundamentally changed to the image that uh, so many people are trying to change it to, the rest of the world would miss America as they are or as they have been because we would not be the same friend that we've been in the past. Probably wouldn't even have the ability Okay. I um, let's see. I do have a I do have a closing thought for the day. 
And let me pull that up. It's, um, oh gosh. All right. I had, I had a couple of them picked out here. I'm going to go with this one because this is from the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And uh, it doesn't say what, what year. It doesn't say what year. I see the print's so small here. I actually can't read it. Okay. So anyway, it says, everyone has a right to freedom of opinion and expression. This right includes freedom to hold opinions without interference and to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. That's from the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And again, liberals have a right to believe what they believe and express the opinions that they express. I'm not saying that they don't. And that's what not what conservatives are saying. What they do say is we also have a right to disagree with them and we also have a right to, to determine what kind of government we want to live under, what kind of uh, society we want to have in this country and especially how our children are taught. That is our right. And we're going to keep exercising that. All right. I appreciate you uh, listening to this podcast of Trice Talk. And um, like I said, hopefully Dennis Lee will be back Sunday night. We may get back to the live schedule. I'll be doing another show tomorrow night. Uh, will not be live. At least I don't expect it to be live unless uh, my co-host is available. Not Dennis Lee, another co-host that I've tried to recruit for the one night. But if not, I'll just do another uh, recorded session and post it like this one. So I hope everybody has a great Thursday. Tomorrow is Thursday, yes. Yes, I hope everybody has a great Thursday and please come back and join us again. And I will just say, um, keep the faith, make your opinions heard, everybody, and stay safe. I'm Donald Wayne. This has been Trice Talk. Good night, everybody.